You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour two on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can. A variety of ways, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to our radio affiliates and, of course, those watching on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. With everything going on, the Zion Williamson case may have slipped your notice. The Pelican star is in the middle of a litigation that dates back to his time at Duke. A marketing agency is suing him for breaching their agreement. And now you have a Florida judge ruling Zion Williamson will have to answer questions about his eligibility under oath. Did he take improper benefits or did his family? His lawyers are expected, uh, expected to appeal the ruling. But the marketing agency claims Williamson's parents received gifts from Nike, Adidas, and people associated with Duke. We've had versions of this case many times before, but Zion's one of the biggest college stars in a generation, and Duke is the premier program in the sport. The rules are changing on amateurism. So it could be one of college sports' last big scandals. Or maybe the public doesn't care. Everyone seems to love Zion, although people don't universally love Duke. Zion's a joy to watch. The attitudes have changed dramatically in players marketing themselves, profiting from their own image, their likeness. Change has already arrived in college sports, even if the official rules are still a little bit behind. But if he gets on the stand and has to answer questions in a civil lawsuit, what will he say? Will he plead the fifth? If he does plead the fifth, how are we going to react to this? What's the NCAA going to do? It feels like Duke's that last team, that last school, where anybody else caught up in any, anything that's scandalous, nefarious, we're like, okay, that's college athletics. That's college basketball. Duke's different. But if Duke is, you know, they're brought in under this umbrella and all of a sudden things were, you know, are going to change dramatically, it feels like. But if you're Zion, how long can you delay the testimony here? Maybe Coach K, if, if there is something here, didn't know anything about it. It used to be where you could get money from an assistant coach or a booster. Usually the head coach is insulated. And I don't know if there's anything here. If you said to me, I'm more surprised if Zion didn't get anything. Because it's Zion Williamson. He has to go to school for one year. If, in, if I'm in Zion's position, I have to pass up millions because I have to go one year to college basketball. You're going to want something for your time. Because it felt like Duke and college basketball needed Zion Williamson a whole lot more than Zion needed them. But if you're going to get something, what are you getting? Are you getting something for your parents? Are you getting anything? Did Zion get anything? Tangibly get anything? I don't know. Did his parents get anything? There was the uh, report, the story out of Kansas, where you had an assistant coach on tape talking about Zion's parents, what they wanted for him to go to Kansas. Are we under the impression that he wanted something from Kansas, but didn't need anything from Duke? And remember with Cam Newton, Cam Newton, you know, there was the story that uh, he was at, his dad was asking for over $100,000 to go to Mississippi State. 
and then he ends up at Auburn. Okay, if we apply logic to this, so I want money from Mississippi State, but I don't need money from Auburn. It doesn't make sense. If it is true that he was at, his dad was asking for money from Mississippi State. But this is about Duke more than it is Zion Williamson. Because Zion is gone, and he's going to have a very lucrative career in the NBA. But Duke is an island unto themselves. So if this would come out that Duke was somehow involved in this, and the shoe companies are still so powerful, they're the ones running college basketball. I remember this is years ago. This is 40 years ago where a prominent player who became a Hall of Famer, I remember his family moved to another city and his parents got jobs. They, you know, So th this star athlete comes into town, not too far from where I'm from, about 25 miles from where I'm from, and everybody wanted to know, oh, wow, how did he end up there? And then we heard that his parents got jobs. Okay. It's been going on. The question is, how blatant are we? Uh, I remember players who played at Kentucky would talk about $100 handshakes. And I thought it was pretty cool. You'd, after a game, a good game, you got a $100 handshake. These things have happened. But to what magnitude? $100,000 here, $200,000 here. You saw what happened at Louisville with the recruit. Rick Pitino said he had no prior knowledge of a recruit getting $100,000. Okay. Seems like a lot of money where you just, somebody's got a checkbook or, you know, they have that access to the cash to say, uh, you know, I got this amount of money over here to use on recruits here. Coaches will tell you, I got outbid on a player. Coach told me that once. I said, how did that guy, you not keep him, you know, in your state? Got outbid. What? Yep, got outbid. All right. But... Zion Williamson's going to have to answer some questions here. And Duke, Coach K, be interesting. Because, now here's another thing. NCAA said they investigated. Duke has investigated this, and they found nothing. Duke did it twice and found nothing. And now, apparently, this Florida judge says there's enough here for him to be up on the witness stand to answer questions here. A civil suit as well. And what kind of questions will he get? But um, we'll, uh, we'll have a little bit more on this. James Wiseman, he uh, covers Duke basketball. Uh, Steve Wiseman, I should say. He, uh, I'm thinking of uh, the Memphis player. <laughs> Speaking of impermissible benefits, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Steve will join us. He covers uh, Duke sports from the Raleigh News and Observer. He'll join us coming up on uh, how big a story is this and will this be? And what kind of time frame are we looking at with uh, Zion Williamson? Kevin in Chapel Hill joins us. Hey, Kevin, what do you have for me today? Well, you mentioned that Zion could possibly plead the fifth. So my question is this. Can they, in this situation, can they grant him immunity and then he has to testify? And if he lies, can they hold him like criminally, you know, is there criminal charges that could follow much like the Lance Armstrong thing? I have no idea. We were wondering this, and uh, nobody has a legal background. McLovin was a paralegal, but you can plead the fifth in a, in a civil suit, but I, I don't know what can happen here. You're going to hurt your chances of winning, I think, if you're pleading the fifth, but let's say his stepfather got benefits. You know, There's income tax, and 
I, how far does the NCAA take this? If there is something there, because there has to be a little bit there for the judge to go, you know, I'm, I'm he, I've heard enough, seen enough, read enough where I'm going to have him on the witness stand. Okay. That's why I figured that we'd uh, at least find out where this is headed with Zion Williamson. NBA is going to start up July 31st and end in the middle of October. Well, at least that's unofficial. Adrian Wojnarowski will join us coming up next hour. We'll uh, tell us about this. You got two months to get ready for the season. And I don't know if it's going to take more time to get ready for the season for the players physically to get ready or just trying to get everybody in Orlando and all the precautionary measures that you're going to take to get them there. ESPN had a list of some of the scenarios that have been discussed. Dave McMenamin uh, had this. Now, these are just suggestions here. Higher-seeded team being awarded the first possession of the second, third, and fourth quarters following the traditional jump ball to begin the game. They're looking for, if you're a higher seed, what is my home court advantage? So much so, the higher-seeded teams being able to transport their actual home court from their arenas to Orlando to preserve the feel of the home court advantage. That does not seem cost effective. I mean, okay, I'm just throwing these are scenarios that have been suggested. The higher-seeded team receives an extra coach's challenge. How about this one? The higher-seeded team being allowed to designate one player to be able to be whistled for seven fouls instead of six before fouling out. I think that would be the Jaron Jackson Jr. rule. I don't know if anybody commits more fouls in less time than my Jaron Jackson of the Memphis Grizzlies. I think he's fouled out in 18 minutes. He's a, he's a really good player. When he plays, he's a really good player. I had the famous line that we were talking about which player you would take out of the draft with Luka and Trey Young, and I said at the time of the draft, I'll take Jaron Jackson Jr. I missed on that one just a little bit. He's a good player. You know, if Luka and Trey Young weren't in that draft, then Jaron Jackson Jr. the third might be the best player out of that draft. Yes, McLovin. He's only 20. He just, oh, I know. He's really young. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, let me see what else. I still like that you have maybe the higher-seeded teams get to pick the team they want to face. I think that would be fun. I don't need to change the game here. But what they're trying to do is, hey, you have home court advantage. We want to give you some kind of advantage here. So your star player, seven thousands. So if Draymond Green and the Warriors were actually good, we could give Draymond seven fouls instead of six. If you want to give the team the ball starting the second, third, and fourth quarters, I'm okay with that. I mean, that, that's not a big deal. I don't think we need to bring our actual home court from our home arenas to Orlando. I like that you'd be able to pick what team you would want to face to start out the opening round. Here's another one. One through 16 receives the first choice on picking which hotel they will stay in at the Wide World of Sports Complex in <laughs> Disney World Resort. Yes, Todd? you got to go with that animal one where you could look at from the balcony there and there's like <laughs> monkeys or elephants running around. I think I stayed at the dolphin one. I, I don't even know what it's called. I think it's the dolphin one. Yeah, Paulie. 
Why don't they make the team, the, you know, the, the lower ranked team, the high, the better team? They play in socks. It's getting a little silly, <laughs> some of these rules. But I, I the other thing I don't understand, starting July 31st, how long does it take to get ready for an NBA season when, I know you haven't played in two months, but the, I went back to the 2019 start of the basketball season. Training camp and the preseason is a total of three weeks. Yeah. And that's including teams that are traveling overseas for exhibition games. There's not going to be any of that. So why would it take more than three weeks to get ready for the season? I know there's logistics and travel and all that stuff, but it seems like they would be able to cut that down to a two-week training camp in this culture. Yeah, I I don't. It feels like it's going to take longer for just the safety precautions there in Orlando, getting everybody there. I mean, there's so many things that are still sort of floating around here. How many members of the media get to cover this? And are they quarantined? They get tested. How do you tell somebody you're not essential enough to cover your team? What time do the games start here? Can you play to the West Coast audience? You know, they're going to want to see the Lakers. They're going to want to see the Clippers. If the Blazers are in there, they're going to want to see these teams play when they expect them when they normally are watching them play. Yeah, McLevin. If, say, you're the Utah Brat Jazz broadcast team, are you going to be in Salt Lake watching it on TV and calling it, or are you going to be in Orlando? I'm going to guess you're going to have a lot of via remote. I, I, I think we're starting to see that there's a lot more of this that happens that you don't even know. You, know, you think that the announcers are there or the hosts are there. NBC would have host in Stanford, Connecticut when we were in Rio. They would be they would you they might have somebody who's hosting or somebody who's calling judo. They would be in Connecticut in the broadcast facility at NBC Sports Network, and they would be calling. They weren't in Brazil. So are we going to have that? I'm assuming we're going to have that. What's the poll question, and what are the results so far, McLevin? Okay, uh, who is more likely to win a title this year, Milwaukee Bucks or Tampa Bay Bucks? It is the Milwaukee Bucks, but it's pretty close, okay. 55-45. I'm surprised. Because it feels like Milwaukee is one of the top three teams. I don't think Tampa is one of the top three teams. Tom Brady's won a lot more titles than Giannis. Just saying. Thank you, McLovin. Factually, true. Fritzy, check that. Has Tom Brady won more titles than uh, the Greek Freak? I believe he has. Thank you, Todd. By six. Eric in Florida joins us on the program. Good morning, Eric. What do you have for me? Good morning. How are you? Good, sir. Yeah, I just heard you all talking about uh, whether or not Zion could plead the fifth in a civil case. Of course, I'm a lawyer in Florida. Of course, he can do that. But the rule is an adverse inference can be drawn from someone drawing the, uh, pleading the fifth in answer to a question. What kind of questions do you, can you ask Zion Williamson? Is everything on the table? Everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. He can, of course, refuse to answer questions that would invade the attorney-client privilege, he can refuse to answer questions that he may think may incriminate him uh, if there's some sort of uh, concern he may be charged criminally. Uh, but if he refuses to answer a question on the grounds of the Fifth Amendment because he, think, he thinks it may incriminate him, then those answers can have an adverse inference against him in the case. But when you look at something like this, and I don't know exactly what's at stake here, and I don't know if there is a settlement in the offing here, but if... If he's found guilty of taking something, what does that mean? Not just NCAA-wise, but what does that mean 
you know, criminally or if they're looking at this in a, in a it's a civil suit. So I, I just don't know what's worst case scenario with something like this. Well, I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, if he actually answers questions and he admits to, you know, getting a bribe or getting something that was impermissible, which you know, prompted him or led him to go to Duke University, I mean, that information is public material. So anyone, uh, a prosecutor, the NCAA, uh, the ACC, anyone could look at that, that information and use it to uh, initiate their own investigation. So that's the worst case scenario, which can include criminal charges, sanctions for the university. I mean, all of those things are possible. I mean, I think it's unlikely he will answer those questions, but... You know, that's that's the worst case scenario. Eric, thank you for calling in. We appreciate your uh, your information. No problem. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back more on this. We'll uh, check in with Steve Wiseman. He's covering this story for the Raleigh News and Observer. If you're his defense attorney, how long can you drag this out? Is there a settlement in the offing? Oh, boy. Phone calls coming up as well. We'll uh, get to those, and we'll check in with Adrian Wojnarowski on all these options for the NBA to come back by the end of July. It's uh, 18 after the hour. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. Got new gear. Father's Day gear. Get off my lawn t-shirts there. The get off my lawn collection there. Hats, t-shirts. Hats? Yeah. We got chat row. Got those t-shirts. Just came in. Just in time for Father's Day. Go to danpatrick.com to uh, order yours now. We'll check in with Adrian Wojnarowski about the NBA plans. He'll join us coming up in an hour. Steve Wiseman, he is the Duke beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer, joining us on the program as we talk about Zion Williamson as this case moves forward. How big a story is this in, uh, in the area, the Durham area, Steve? Yeah, it's a big deal. And, you know, mainly, uh, you know, the rivals are really on top of each other here, right? Carolina down the road, NC State down the road. Everybody wants to see the big one go down. So um, that's a big deal because Duke's nearly never been hit with anything. And Zion was such a big star. And, uh, you know, since the one and done era came in, uh, there's always talk about, you know, are these players getting paid things on the side to go to certain schools? And uh, this is one that's going through the court system, which can lead us to some concrete answers. What is Zion being sued for? Uh, he actually sued his agent first, He saw, his ex-agent. He signed a deal with Gina Ford in April of 2019 for uh, marketing representation. And then a month later, decided he wanted to go with CAA, a much larger firm, for contracts and marketing. So she exercised a clause that said he owed her $100 million for breaking the contract. So he sued saying that her contract, his contract with her was never, uh, was void because she wasn't registered as an agent in North Carolina and shows she violated North Carolina agent laws. She countersued saying that Zion uh, uh, was never really an, an, an athlete, uh, an eligible student athlete because he had taken improper benefits. So he never should have been declared. Therefore the law doesn't apply to him. So she has a suit in Florida. He has a suit in federal court in Greensboro, North Carolina, and they're both kind of going through the process right now. Does she have evidence of, what Zion Williamson or any of his representatives, his parents took from these shoe companies? 
No, right now it's just allegations. We've asked several times for, you know, what kind of evidence do you have? They have not presented anything publicly or in the court system. So uh, we're still waiting on that. They wanted to pose him and ask him questions about it. And uh, his, his, his law attorneys don't want that to happen. They're trying to stop that. They're trying to get the case thrown out before we even come to a discovery phase. So that's where we stand at this point. What are his options? Well, he can settle with her. And I think that's kind of what this is. It's, it's leverage on either side. I mean, she wants $100 million. He wants to pay her nothing. So somewhere in the middle, they're going to reach a compromise probably uh, before this gets any further. I have to believe that's where we're headed toward. But in the meantime, there's a lot of pressure being applied in both directions. Any response from Duke? Just their, their regular response that, you know, they investigated his finances, his family's finances. The NCAA did it when they cleared him to play initially at Duke um, in April of 2019 when, when Michael Avenatti made his allegations as part of his extortion against Nike that Zion was paid, the Coach K was involved. Duke did another uh, look at Zion's situation, not the athletic department, but the school. And they said they found no evidence to support any of these allegations. So um, that that's where they are. They, they are steadfast that he's done nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. Uh, and that's where they stand at this point. How does this go badly for Zion and Duke? If they don't reach an agreement and he has to, he has to be deposed and he's under oath and they can ask, they've presented pointed questions like, you know, did you take payments? Did anybody with your family take payments uh, along the way? Was coach K involved with these payments, that kind of stuff, um, which again, they, there's no evidence to that yet out publicly, but those are the questions they want to ask him. And they've even uh, Gina Ford's side, prime sports marketing attorneys have even made, you know, inroads about deposing coach K and other people are surrounding Zion, his family, things like that. So whenever you're under oath and you're being questioned in a deposition situation, who knows what they could ask and who knows what you'll have to answer and what could come out. But uh, is that more of a threat, a legal threat to say, hey, we're thinking about deposing your family here and Coach K. And if you're Zion Williamson, do you want to go down that road? Right. And th that's the fear. And so I think that's where that's where the pressure is being applied to try to reach a settlement. And um, I, I don't think they do. Now, they claim that they've done nothing wrong. Duke claims nothing's been done wrong. Uh, but yet Zion's attorneys have not come out full throat and said, we deny all these allegations. That hasn't happened yet. I don't know if they're holding that back as part of the leverage or what, but um, that hasn't happened. So, uh, I, I, again, I think that before this comes to deposition, I have to believe they're going to come to a settlement because at some point, you know, he has to decide, does he want to just make this go away? But if you come to it a settlement, is that sort of the court of public op uh, opinion is going to be like, okay, he took something, Duke knew about this. What does the NCAA do if there is a settlement in a situation like this? Do they, you know, they usually like somebody to do all the work for them and yes. then they come in. But does, how does the NCAA get involved in this if there's a settlement with Zion and the former marketing person? I, you know, they're going to want to go back and take a look at it. They, they, they almost have to. And just like with all the other cases that are going on that surrounded the Adidas thing and the FBI, you know, you're right. They want people to do most of the work for them. That's why they're, I'm sure, hoping this deposition happens so that one way or another, they can put it to bed, right? They either, they either he admits he did something wrong or under oath admits he didn't. And then you go from there. So, um, yeah, that's, again, I, I think the NCAA will have to look at this Again, even though they, they say they already have when Zion came into school, Duke has shared everything they gathered 
in the second investigation with the NCAA. They work in conjunction. So um, that, you know, that's where that's where they stand with that. Yeah. And I still go back to the uh, audio tape of the Kansas assistant. And he is, you know, heard talking about what Zion's family or stepfather wants to go to Kansas. This isn't going to Creighton. This is going to Kansas. So where right. are we under the belief or of the belief that he wants something or his dad wants something to go to Kansas, but then he doesn't want something to do. I mean, I'm just trying to be logical here. I don't want to cast aspersions as much as I just want to go. Okay. I might need something. He needs something from Kansas, but then he goes to Duke and he doesn't need anything. Does that make sense to you? It's not logical. Is it in, in, in the real world? It doesn't make sense that that would happen. And, you know, there was some talk about Clemson and one of their assistants who lost his job as part of the investigation, the FBI stuff, you know, his involvement with, with Zion uh, saying that, you know, he, you know, he, he made trips there and things like that. So um, yeah, it, it doesn't logically make sense. And that's why to me, if he goes under oath and, and says what he believes is true, that he didn't do anything wrong, that would be the best outcome for Duke and the NCAA. Um, because if it does go away with a settlement, everybody's still going to wonder, like you said, what happened? Yeah. Well, what did he really do? We had this situation with Duke eight, nine years ago with Lance Thomas, who was on the 2010 championship team, who, who got some jewelry from a guy, in, uh, a jeweler in Manhattan during his senior year. And then his, the lawyer or the, the jeweler sued him because Lance didn't pay him for it. He got it free for a while. Um, they settled it out of court and they just went away. Uh, so, Again, that's the case where everybody always points back to Lance Thomas. What really happened with that? Uh, what did Duke know? What they didn't know? And it was it never really came uh, to fruition. How much are the Carolina fans enjoying this? It's great for them. It's message board, you know, fodder for <laughs> State, Carolina, Kentucky. Anybody who hates Duke, this is what you want to have happen. Um, we've seen a lot of programs go down like this, right, or, or getting in the muck. Kansas, you mentioned, I mean, for years – uh, Kansas was one of the shining shining lights of college basketball, and then now they're they're down in the muck with everybody else. So yeah, whenever somebody's on top, there's plenty of other people that want to see him go down. Steve, good stuff. We'll be following. We appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. That's Steve Weisman, the uh, Duke beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer. I feel like there's a settlement uh, waiting to happen in this situation with Zion. Just feels like that. Maybe the best for both sides, but if there is a settlement. You know that court of public opinion is going to be looking at this going, yeah, but yeah, Paul. But is there a better time in history to get in trouble for paying a player? Now, even if it's not the athletic department, nobody cares that players are getting paid. No one's going to care. This Duke story was a one day story when it came out a month ago. And, you know, there's it still will mean if, if let's say all goes poorly and, and Duke is found to have put together a plan to obtain Zion through funds with a booster, blah, blah, blah. This would be the best time in history for it to happen. This isn't is 1987. Yeah, but it's Duke. Yeah, but for Duke, this is the best time in the world mm-hmm. it could happen. Remember what happened to NC State? They lost their coach, the national title winning coach. They got s- sanctions and everything. That was a generation ago. Yeah, but the NCAA loves when you do the work for them. And then if it comes out, then what do you do? Like, what do you, you're not taking away a title. They didn't win a title, but what are you doing to Duke? Like, what, what would the penalties be for Duke if Zion admits that his parents got something? Yes, yeah, It feels like it would be a much bigger deal for Duke than for other schools. You know, I mean, some coaches can 
you know, that hit, it feels different than if the Duke head coach got it. Yeah, because if something happens to Michigan State or Syracuse, uh, Kansas, you know, maybe Mark Few at Gonzaga, people might be like, wow, Gonzaga getting popped here. But even then, it just feels like there's no school where I would go, I'm surprised. Now, I would be surprised at Duke, but I wouldn't be that surprised because this is Zion Williamson going there. You, If he's asking for things or his parents are asking for things reportedly and on tape, his, you know, the assistant coach is saying this is what his dad wants. I can't believe that that's an isolated incident. Just like Cam Newton, did his dad ask for $140,000 from Mississippi State, but then didn't ask for anything from Auburn? Yeah, Paul. I hate to bring this up, but the joke back at the time was it made sense because you got to get paid to go to Mississippi <laughs> State and play football back when they weren't that good. And Auburn, it's no big deal. Yeah, right. That was the joke at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like there's a settlement here because if you're Zion, you don't want Duke and Coach K involved in this. You don't want Coach K on the witness stand. You don't want him facing these questions in a civil lawsuit. And But if you do settle, I think everybody's going to have the same view of this, and that is guilty. Bought his way out of this. Now we move on. Yeah, for two. Is that enough of an explanation so the court of public opinion doesn't turn on you too much to say, I don't want to drag my school and my legendary coach into this, so I'll just give them some money to go away as opposed to looking guilty? I don't know. I, I, don't, I mean, you start to wonder what the logic will be with this of how do we protect as many people as possible. If, if Zion did take something, what's the best way to get out of this? And it feels like that is just a settlement. You, you just don't want questions being asked and then you go, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. He, how do I avoid this? Now, can we get it thrown out? We can't get it thrown out. It's going to be heard in Florida. You don't want him up on the witness stand being asked these questions. Because then somebody's going to probably say, well, explain this tape that happened, this audio tape that happened at Kansas, where the assistant coach said that your stepfather wanted this. How do you explain that? And Zion could say, well, I didn't know anything about that. And maybe he didn't. Maybe this was just, you know, we'll keep this separate from you. And it wouldn't be the first parents that did that with their athlete, star athlete. Yeah, Paul. Isn't it the move would be Zion in the middle of the court case, he gets asked that, he turns and goes, Dad? <laughs> just completely befuddled. Uh, yes, Eden. Actually, yes, it turns out my dad took all that stuff, but I didn't know that he took that yeah. stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't. I I just I, I apply logic sometimes, and I know that's not best thing to do, but I just apply logic. And if you said, Hey, this is what it's going to take for me to get Zion here, I gotta take care of his parents. I I understand it. If I'm Zion, I would want something too. Because you're I have to go to school. I don't want to go to school and go right to the pros. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be on national TV thirty one times. All right, take care of me. Because I don't think you can go from Kansas, where you're asking for something, to then go, you know, on second thought, I don't need anything, I'm going to Duke. I'm guessing he could have gone to Duke right away. I don't think he was going, I don't know, Duke come up with anything? 
No, not yet. All right, let me see if Kansas has got something. I'm guessing he had a scholarship to Duke mm. probably in ninth grade. Yeah, Paul. Do you guys have the same reaction I do when a, a top flight player, like a five star, goes to some obscure school in the middle of nowhere? You know, just I'm throwing one out there, but like, like Kansas State, Kansas State pops to my head. <laughs> Wait, you're the top, you're the number two player in the whole country. You're going to Manhattan, yeah. Kansas. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was going to Manhattan. Right. Wait, I'm going to Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, there are times when you go. How did, well, when we had Ole Miss, they had a run. When they're football <laughs> players, and all of a sudden you're going, "Wow, Ole Miss is getting some really good players." Tennessee, another five-star recruit. Yeah, amazing. Tennessee. It's the blue chips model. Remember, they signed three of the top nation's athletes in one day. The fax machine's going, ur, 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 ur. <laughs> not one day. Spread it out. You and you signed Shaq one day, and then Matt Nover from Indiana a couple weeks later. You need a tractor and about thirty grand in cash to do it. <laughs> Great okay. Movie. I wish I was good enough to get something. And Nick Nolte's like, I can't believe it works this way. <laughs> okay, when you're eight, oh, shut up, Dan. I'm going to put you back to 18 years old. Let's say they said you could have any car you want, current car. Like that was out at the time you were 18. What would have been the car that made you sign with blank school? Mm. When you were 18, what was the car? It would have been a Corvette Stingray. And you would have gone anywhere? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I, I would have gone, yeah. Had my Corvette there. Yeah, see. I think if it was right, I don't remember when I was 18. But if I, right now, I would probably be like a Mercedes G-Wagon. You know, like the one of those sort of like SUV, those boxy SUVs that they got. But there's a strategy to this. Be like, though. all right, because that's, that's 100K. No, you can't. No, you can't draw attention to this. I don't care. <laughs> well, you're, <laughs> you got to go Jeep Wrangler. I'm right? only there for a year anyway. Yeah. I'm only there for a couple of months and then I'm going pro. You guys can figure it out. Do you remember what <laughs> Reggie Bush was driving? He had a Chevy. Was it a Caprice? And I thought, great move. Well, that doesn't sound. No, no, but it was all tricked out. Oh. Yeah, because I thought, oh, I mean, it'd be like something that Snoop Dogg would drive, you know, where you can raise it and lower it. Because I thought, oh, Chevy Caprice, well, nobody would notice if you got extra money. And then somebody said, oh, no, no, it's a tricked out Chevy Caprice. Yeah, see. That's one of my favorite things to do is to follow college athletes' Instagrams and uh, just look at like, hey, look at uh, such and such wide receiver sitting on their new Acura. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Subtle. I still love this story of a, a wide receiver who played at one of the Power Five conference schools, and he even had a vanity license plate. He had school colors. It was bought it for was him. Booster. <laughs> was vanity plate. No, it said Nike on it or Adidas or. But he would. He, he was so powerful, popular. He would pull up in front of a restaurant, and he would keep the car running. It'd be on the street, and he would keep the car running. He'd go in. And he would get something to eat, and then he would come back out. But it was school colors that uh, he got his car. Like, he wasn't hiding it. If you, if you wanted to see it, it was there. It's like when Eric Dickerson was getting recruited from SMU. He had this Trans Am that just screamed booster. Yeah, Paul. So, yeah, the, Eric Dickerson in 79 got a, a brand-new gold Trans Am, <laughs> and he, he and his mom were standing in front of it. The picture makes the Dallas morning news. The story is that A&M got him to Trans Am to go to A&M. He bogged on them and went to SMU for the better deal, but kept the car. Well, yeah, because you can't say, hey, hey, we want our car back that we gave Eric Dickerson. It's a good move. 
That's, that's a power move by Eric Dickerson. Awesome. Yeah, they can't say anything. Hey, we're going to the NCAA, and uh, we're going we're gonna to tell them we want our car back that we gave you. Yes, Todd? I remember growing up in the neighborhood, this kid, Ricky, had this electric blue Trans Am with the eagle on the front of the hood, and he had, like, the yeah. most pretty girl in the whole school was, like, his girlfriend. He just, like, had it all, and he's cruising around the neighborhood, and we're all looking at this guy, and he was kind of a punk and a pseudo dropout and smoking and not caring about anything, and it was just totally looking at this guy like, how did he get this car and this girl? Was, I'll never forget this kid. Was he an athlete? No, he wasn't. He just kind of hung out in the neighborhood and didn't look like uh, he did much of anything. That was kind of the story we were on. We were, we were well, on I'm talking an about athlete as as getting ca- paid. I'm talking about the car that, like, you know, I was, I was thinking of the car that, like, you wanted okay. as a kid. So I put a little spin on it. Maybe it was like uh, a family member's car. Thanks, Todd. I could have said, said he was some all-star athlete. Well, no, that's what we were on. We were on that you would get these cars, but I know, you can't it, draw it, more attention. I understand. It Thank just brought you. back a memory of like when you were growing up and like the car that you wish you, you had. You can tell me this during a commercial Yeah, break. I guess it didn't quite say, fit the hey, point you were trying I, I got a memory here. Hey, I, I, you know, it reminds me of. I can't give that audience back the last 60 seconds. You think they really we lost a lot of people there in the last 30 seconds? We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Get a couple of phone calls in here. I saw where Notre Dame and Navy were going to play in Dublin. That's now moved to Annapolis. That's a big deal for Annapolis, getting Notre Dame to come to town. They've played almost 100 times in their uh, history. And they've played in Dublin before, but Notre Dame Navy is now going to be in Annapolis. That's the first time ever Notre Dame coming to town. That's pretty cool. Woj will join us in a half hour from now. A couple of phone calls here. Jason in Nebraska. Hi, Jason. What's on your mind? Hey, Danny and the Danettes. Um, McLovin slash Pearl brought up the... uh, um, top 15 list. And um, I just want to, I have no objections on or no arguments on the top five. However, I just want to argue, though, I guess I do have a, a point to make, and that is Bird, Larry Bird, um, to your point, uh, you know, those top shooters created their own shot. He would tell people where he's going to shoot the ball. So he should be at least number two. <laughs> and then I want to also ask you, um, or actually thank you, because you recommended Ozark, and my wife and I just finished it. Great series. But Rose is my favorite character. I was just curious who's yours. Thank oh, you I love I love Rose. She was the star. Uh, Ro- uh, Ruthie, I should say, not Rose. Ruthie. Ruthie was, love Ruthie. Thought she was uh, the star of the first two seasons. I do also like how they empowered the women, that the women, it became about the women in Ozark. It didn't start out that way in season one, but the uh, last two seasons certainly have. Uh, let me see. Brandon in Tennessee. Hey, Brandon. Morning, DP. How you doing? Good, sir. I hope you guys are doing well. First time, long time. Five nine and one sixty five. <clears throat> I just wanted to call in. I uh, got roped into Outer Banks as well, uh, regretfully, but I ended up watching the whole thing as well. And after the first episode, I looked at my wife, and uh, Joe Burrow looks identical to J.J., John B.'s best friend. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. 
I don't. I don't want to go that deep into Outer Banks. Yes, McLovin. Now you have a sports tie-in. No, 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 I can't do that. Fritzy uh, asked his daughter to give me some suggestions since Outer Banks is uh, certainly for uh, teenagers, and I watched all ten episodes. Uh, what uh, what suggestions does your daughter? Yeah, some were more current than others, but uh, these five came up between her and actually some of her friends that she was having a Zoom chat with. Degrassi or Degrassi High? Okay, that was one of them. Oh, the yeah. Vampire Diaries. No, I don't do vampires. Okay, All-American. I'm not sure what that's about, but it's something called All-American. I'd have to research exactly what that's We about. talked about it yesterday on the Dan Patrick yeah, Show. I don't think that uh, that was given good reviews. Love is Blind? Something about oh. some dating show where you don't get to see them and then you're uh, proposing to people based on their personality? No, I don't do dating shows. That was a big deal. That was, yeah, I know. That was a Bachelor-like phenomenon. Yes. And Riverdale was the other one, which I know we've Yeah, about. I know. Yeah. That's your group based on uh, yeah. what you like lately. Um, what's the, uh, the one that John McEnroe is the voice of never have I ever, I think. Oh yeah. I didn't know John McEnroe was involved in that. Yeah. He's the, he's the narrator. Of course. The grassy high was Drake, right? That's uh, where he came from. Am I, I think that's a show that Drake came. I think there, there's been a couple versions of that though. If mm. I'm not mistaken. There's like the one from when I know there, when I was younger, there was one that was. A big deal. Mm. Um, but then I think that there's been sort of like updated versions of that. Well, uh, tell your daughter thank you for those suggestions there, Todd. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm done with the the, <laughs> the teen stuff after Outer Banks. For now. Yeah. <laughs> Give me like two or three more months Every here. Every like 15 years you check in on. Yeah. I still haven't watched Twilight, Harry Potter. What are some of those other... What's the uh, one... Uh... With what's-her-name and she's shooting the arrows? Oh, uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. You do Hunger Games yet? I watched a little bit of Hunger oh, Games. Shooting arrows. What's-her-name and she's shooting the arrows? Yes. <laughs> Jennifer oh, Lawrence. Hunger Games. Yes, McLovin. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? No, never saw Lord of the Rings. We'll talk to Woj coming up. Final hour, Dan Patrick, show up to this.